Hi, this is Daniel Levine. I wanted to extend an invitation to our Rarecast listeners to join us for an upcoming Global Genes webinar I'll be moderating on leveraging a rare disease center of excellence. As many patient advocates continue on their journey to become empowered activists, some may want to consider starting a rare disease center of excellence. This webinar covers how this can be done, what the obstacles and challenges are, and whether there are other options they should consider. The webinar is free and will take place June 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. To register, go to globalgenes.org forward slash June 2015 webinar. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Nick Soro's efforts to find a cure for his children's rare genetic disease, Alcaptonuria, led him to struggles faced by many people within the rare disease community as they seek to raise funds, foster research, and learn about running clinical trials and supporting patients. The experience led him to create Find a Cure, an organization that seeks to train, mentor, and empower patient groups. We spoke to Soro, chairman of Find a Cure, about the organization where it's focusing its efforts, and why he prefers the term fundamental diseases to rare diseases. Nick, thanks for joining us. Perhaps you can begin with a description of your organization, Find a Cure, the nonprofit you founded with Tony Hall. What is it? What's it seeking to do? Sure. So Find a Cure is a new organization which is set up to help um, all patients suffering from rare diseases. And there are three things that we do. The first one is we provide training and peer mentoring to new and emerging patient groups. And by this, I mean that we provide a series of workshops as well as one-to-one support to new patient groups to help them on a variety of issues such as um, how to be involved in clinical trials, how to work with industry and academia, um, how to raise funds, and how to develop a strategy. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we do at Find a Cure is what we call working on fundamental diseases. And this is showing the link between rare diseases and common diseases because it's been known now for some time that the study of the rare helps us understand the common. So, for instance, a rare genetic disease can help us understand better um, a gene that is involved in um, just kind of metabolism. It can help us understand better the workings of an enzyme. But also, the study of rare diseases can help us cure common diseases. For instance, um, the study of the ultra-rare disease um, homozygous familial hypercholesterolemia um, helped develop statins, which are used widely to treat um, high cholesterol and heart problems. So that's the second thing. And we call these diseases fundamental diseases because they're fundamental to understanding human biology. And the third area we work on at, work on at Find a Cure is called drug repurposing. And by this, I mean we take generic drugs, which have been approved for other indications, and we show that they can be used for specific rare diseases. Now, I'll give an example. There's, um, you know, a drug like aspirin, for instance, is used for multiple um, indications. You know, it can be used for headaches, it can be used for thinning for blood, you know, um, etc. 
And, and, and that's the thing. So when you get a generic drug, what happens is that by the time it's gone generic, it's got very good data on safety, on toxicology, and it's been through trials and it's been approved by regulatory agency. So that massively shortens the time needed to get it into the clinic. And so, for instance, our partners, Cures Within Reach, have shown how a drug called Cyrolimus could be repurposed um, for an ultra-rare disease called autoimmune lymphoproliferative syndrome. And that is now in the clinic and used for this particular disease. So those are the three things we're trying to do. The first one, training of patients. The second one, fundamental diseases. And the third one, drug repurposing. Well, let's take a step back. We first spoke a few years ago during a, a crowdfunding effort you were involved in to raise money to fund a drug trial for a potential treatment for Alcaptonurin or AKU, a rare disease that afflicts your sons. How, how did you first become aware of AKU? So I first became aware of AKU um, when my children were born because their urine was going red-black. And that's how we got a diagnosis of this disease, which is also known as black urine disease or as black bone disease. Um, and that started for me a whole journey in the rare disease field. So first of all, um, from their diagnosis to meeting another patient who had the disease to then meeting a clinician um, to then helping set up the world's first patient group for AKU. And from there, um, experiencing what it's like being a patient group working on an ultra-rare disease, the difficulties in raising funds, the difficulties in finding drugs to develop, the difficulties in working in a difficult regulatory regime. All of these things um, shaped my experience. Now, over time, over the past, particularly over the past five years, we've managed to significantly scale up the AKU experience. And by this, I mean that we're now in the middle of phase three trials. Um, so this is kind of pivotal trials to develop a particularly promising drug, which is a repurposed drug, and which is a drug called nitizanone. And, you know, to get to this, we've had to raise nearly £20 million pounds, um, and develop a consortium that spans the whole of Europe, develop a relationship also with the NIH, and set up AKU societies around Europe, North America, but also in the Middle East and Asia. Well, how, how did that experience lead to the development of Find a Cure? So the experience from AKU led to the development of Find a Cure because of the because of the, everything that I experienced as a rare disease kind of parent and the difficulty in setting up a patient group. So all the different barriers that I that I that I, that I came across, and I was also contacted regularly by other rare disease patients or their families who were saying, "Well, how did you manage to do all this with AKU? You know, what what are the kind of the barriers and how did you overcome them. And so that led me to think that it would be good to set up an actual organization um, in the UK that could help these patient groups, that could provide them with solutions. Because even though rare diseases are all very different symptomatically, you know, they're very different and genetically and everything, they can be very different. It's always the same problems that a patient group faces. And that is, where can I get money? Where can I uh, interact with industry and academia? How can I develop molecules for treatments? I want to go back to this idea of fundamental diseases you mentioned a moment ago. You actually call Find a Cure the Fundamental Disease Partnership. Why this term? Mm -hmm. Why not rare diseases? There's a problem with the term rare diseases, and that's the word rare. So as soon as you put the word rare in front of anything, it suddenly drops down the priority list. But if I talked about rare plane accidents, for instance, 
where you could be sure that there would not be as much security and as much safety involved in the um, aeronautical industry. So as soon as you say that a disease is rare, people start to think it's insignificant, that it doesn't affect anybody. I'll give an example. We did a study with some students at Cambridge University um, where they asked members of the public how many people they thought had a rare disease in the UK. And the answers were like maybe 5,000 people have a rare disease, maybe 10,000. And when we told them that 3.5 million people in the UK will be affected by rare disease, that's 6 to 8% of the population in their lifetime, People were just amazed. They just couldn't believe it. And that is the problem with the word rare diseases. But also, a lot of scientists or clinicians see rare diseases as medical curiosities, as things that happen occasionally and that, you know, come out with um, symptoms that are often quite astonishing. And we want to go beyond that. We want to show that actually the study of rare diseases helps us understand common diseases. An example of that is um, AKU, black bone disease. Even though it's been known for 110 years, it's only recently that the study of AKU has helped us understand more about osteoarthritis, which is a very common disease, you see. And, and you had mentioned the example with uh, the development of statins. Are, are there others? Yes, there's the example of bisphosphonates, for instance. Bisphosphonates are used widely in bone disorders, and it's thanks to the study of an ultra disease called hypophosphatasia that then mechanisms were understood that allowed the development of bisphosphonates. You make the case for the need to think differently about diseases that our, our approach to tackling something like cancer has actually been quite flawed. Can, can you explain? Yes. So I think um, a lot of money has been put into these big common diseases and people are starting to realize that actually a disease such as cancer is made up of hundreds of, um, of cancers and many of them are rare cancers. So this kind of approach um, particularly that the industry has been using up until recently about trying to get blockbuster drugs and everything is starting to break down and people are moving into an era of what's been called personalized medicine. And this is something that's been done in the rare disease space now for a long time, the whole idea of kind of personalizing the treatment to the rare disease, but also the fact that the study of these diseases can help us understand much wider things about human biology. Let's walk through the goals of your organization. The First is empowering patient groups to become effective campaigners for change. What exactly are you doing in that, in that regard? So to empower groups to be effective um, campaigners for change, we run a series of workshops which we've been doing over the past couple of years. And we bring in specialists who are experts in their field who come in and who provide um, so kind of really hands-on training on specific areas. So, for instance, we had one a few weeks ago which was teaching patients how to identify patients with their disease. And by this, I mean that many patient groups um, suffer from the problem of trying to identify patients So, because the diseases are so rare. So, for instance, I was speaking to a group just a few weeks ago who have a newly um, diagnosed disease, and they now know of only six patients in the world with that disease. So there are ways of identifying patients through email campaigns, through setting up online communities, through um, fax campaigns, through contacting doctors, etc., which help build communities of patients. And these are the kind of things that we share. And then in the one-to-one -one mentoring, what we offer is really hands-on practical advice from an experienced patient group to a new patient group on any topic of their choice. So it might be, for instance, how to develop a strategy for their organization or how to develop a vision for their organization or what is the best way of fundraising for their organization. All these kinds of things which provide a package to rare disease patient groups.
Well, you're also working to facilitate the development of treatments for fundamental diseases. What exactly are you doing in that area? So in that area, we are um, creating networks among scientists to try and help them work further on the issue of fundamental diseases. So obviously the first one that we're working on is within AKU, and there I'm showing the link between AKU, which is an extreme form of osteoarthritis, and the more kind of normal osteoarthritis that affects the elderly. So that's the first thing. Secondly, through a series of workshops where we look at the theme of fundamental diseases and we bring top scientists together who can discuss, debate, and then make plans for further action. You're also campaigning for a receptive research environment that recognizes the pivotal importance of what you call fundamental diseases. What are you doing to, to do that? So that basically comes down to raising awareness and to raising awareness amongst the scientific community. And so this would be, for instance, um, writing articles, uh, writing blogs, um, getting into publications, etc., to try and encourage people to understand that the study of rare diseases helps us understand common diseases. As you go out and make that case, what's been the reception from researchers and funders? Do, do you see any significant change in attitude? Well, the reception from researchers has been very good and particularly those who are researching rare diseases. And what we found is that there's a lot of them um, who are researching rare diseases who, who have found links with their rare disease with a common disease and who have been really struggling to convince funders about it or to convince the wider community about it. And so the term fundamental diseases is really comes as a welcome um, kind of concept to them because it helps show that their study actually has got wider implications. Nick Soro, co-founder and chairman of Find a Cure, which we should note is on the web at findacure.org.uk. Nick, thanks as always. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.